Amen. Good morning. If you turn in your Bible to uh, the book of 2 Timothy, if you don't have a Bible, um, feel free to grab the one in front of you. Um, if you don't have one at home, feel free to grab uh, one on the way out. There's a table back there with some Bibles. Love for you to have one. So today we'll be reading Second uh, Timothy 3, uh, verses 10 to 17. Second Timothy 3. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Well, over the years, I've come to learn that having the right tools is one of the most important things in completing basically any project or job. And I've learned that the hard way. Uh, For example, if you don't have the right tools, it can be much more difficult to complete a job. Uh, When we first bought our first house, uh, in the backyard there were a bunch of tree stumps. And for whatever reason, the people who were there before had let these trees grow up. And then they had just kind of chopped them down about three feet high, and there was like seven or eight tree stumps in our backyard. So I went out there armed with a shovel, a pocket knife, and a small handsaw to take out these trees. And it was an insane amount of work. I came very close to giving up as I was in the mud with a pocket knife trying to rip through the roots I had to end up digging way, way around the roots to be able to get these stumps out. And I think back on that and think how much easier it would have been if I would have had some kind of a power saw to cut the roots and to cut the tree stumps. Or a grinder, it would be even better. So it was a lot more difficult because I didn't have the right tools. If you don't have the right tools, it can also be a lot messier. Uh, A couple of years ago, there was a missions team coming up, and one of the things that they were going to do was they were going to paint my office. Um, but before they came, I wanted to paint the, the cupboards and the, paint the doors of the cupboards with a spray painter uh, so they would be nice and smooth and ready when the missions team came. So I had about an hour and a half or two hours, not very much time, but I thought it was a good idea to get into this project. So I had a paint sprayer that I had borrowed from somebody. I won't name names, but I had borrowed it from somebody. And I went and put the paint in, and it started making noise, and then it would just kind of sputter out. And so I'm thinking to myself, I must need to thin this a little. It must be too thick. So I put water in it. It does the same thing. It's just kind of sputtering, sputtering out. You know, spray it on the wall, it just splatters all over the place. So I try to put some more water in. No matter how much water I put in, the best I could get it to do was uh, to splatter on the wall. 
And uh, so I'm thinking I'm doing something wrong, and then I called up Pastor Phil to come over and help me. And he came over, and he looked at it, and he's like, no, this is, a, this is a defective tool. This just doesn't work. And in the meantime, I had made a mess all over with the paint, and I only got like an hour and a half. So I went back to the good old brush and roller, which was a lot easier. So not having the right tool made it a lot more uh, messier. Also, not having the right tool can make things a lot more dangerous. Uh, a few years ago, uh, when we first got the church, there was a projector screen that was at the top of the arch here, and the projector would roll down from the top of the arch. Um, and so what we wanted to do was change out, put the projector up there, put lights up there, and then move the screen to the back. Um, and so we had to attach power up there, take the old one down, and, and do a bunch of things. So I got all the materials together. I got a bunch of people to come out and help me, people who knew electrical stuff and construction stuff. And then we get here, and I realized I had forgotten the biggest thing that I needed to have, the biggest tool. We didn't have a ladder that was tall enough to get up there. So we bring out the tallest ladder that we have, and it wouldn't reach to the top, so we weren't going to be stopped by that. So what we did was we got two uh, tables, and we put the, uh, hopefully the insurance company isn't listening right now, <laughs> put two tables together, put the uh, ladder on the two tables, and I think we have a picture of it here, and then we had two guys that were on each side kind of holding it to make sure it didn't fall off the table, just hoping that it wouldn't buckle underneath the weight of this ladder and the person on top of it. Miraculously, nobody died or got maimed in this incident, and we were able to finish it, but it wasn't a very safe thing to do. And after that, we decided we were going to buy a bigger ladder. So having the right tools can make a, a job that's incredibly difficult easy, make a job that's incredibly messy relatively clean, and a job that's incredibly dangerous relatively safe. The book of 2 Timothy was a letter that was written from Paul to Timothy. Paul, Timothy was a convert of Paul who apparently believed in Christ on Paul's first missionary journey. And uh, Timothy kind of became an apprentice of Paul, so to speak. And uh, Paul had a very close relationship with Timothy. He refers to him in chapter 1, verse 2, as my beloved child. And Paul is writing 2 Timothy as the second letter to Timothy, and he's writing from prison right before the time when he's about to die, to be executed. And so in this book, he wants to kind of share his last words with his disciple, with Timothy, and wants to share some words of wisdom so that he'll carry on the apostolic mission and carry on Paul's ministry after Paul is gone. And so Paul describes the situation, the, the spiritual climate that Timothy is living in, as being very dark. He talks about false teaching and people who, who quarrel about words, who teach that the resurrection has already come. He speaks of people in chapter 3, verse 2 to 5, who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. 
In the passage that we just read, that we're looking at today, Paul warns that all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. Everyone. Anyone who desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. Chapter 4, later, Paul warns, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, will turn away from listening to the truth, and wander off into myths. So what's Paul's recommendation to Timothy? What is his word of advice for Timothy as he's about to depart from this world? Paul tells Timothy that he needs to use the right tool, the tool of the Word of God. Timothy's situation is, in a sense, not that much different than ours, spiritually speaking. Many of the things that Paul talked about in regards to Timothy's situation are true, and some, in some ways even amplified in our current culture. And the truth is that we as Christians are in the midst of a cosmic battle. Not a physical battle, but a cosmic battle between truth and darkness, between truth and lies. Apostle Paul writes about this in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, when he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In the beginning of the Cold War in 1950, the United States started uh, an initiative or organization called Free Radio Europe. And Free Radio Europe was created with the idea that ideas could help the United States win the Cold War. In communist countries, the, the people in the communist countries didn't have access to a free press, and so they had no idea what was really happening in the world. All they had was the propaganda that the state-run media would tell them. And so Free Radio Europe was started, and the goal was to give information to the people in communist countries. And so reporters from this organization would do really hard research. They would sift through different articles. They would talk to defectors. They would do everything to try to get interviews with people to find out what was really going on in these countries. And then they would broadcast the news, these news articles, these news stories, uh, through the communist countries, at one point there was about 35 million that it, people that it were estimated to have listened to Free Radio Europe. And this had a, a great impact on the kind of the sentiment in these communist countries. Uh, the communist leaders tried to stop them. They sent jamming signals to stop the signals. Uh, some of the reporters from Free Radio Europe kind of mysteriously died. One guy apparently was uh, shot by this kind of umbrella-type gun. Uh, they just did everything they could to stop them because they knew that freedom, the free ideas, could impact the war. And many people credit Free Radio Europe as being a big factor in the fall of con communism and the end of the Cold War. Ideas are powerful and have the potential to change the world. Ideas are the things that start wars, the things that stop wars. Famous economist John Maynard Keynes once said this, the ideas of economists and political philosophers, both when they are right and when they are wrong, are more powerful than is commonly understood. He says, indeed, the world is ruled by little else. Practical men who believe themselves to be quite exempt from any intellectual influences are usually the slaves of some defunct economists, madmen in authority, who hear voices in the air are distilling their frenzy from some academic scribbler 
of a few years back. Ideas are powerful. They have an impact on our lives, how we live and how our society governs. And we are in a war at the level of ideas. And there's a a, a war that's going on at the spiritual level between the forces of Christ and the forces of evil. And Paul tells Timothy that if we're going to fight effectively, we need to fight with the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the armor of God. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness and all these different things, pieces of armor to put on, but the only offensive weapon that he gives is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. In Ephesians or uh, Ephesians 6, he talks about that. Uh, likewise, in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews talks about the Word of God as being living and active like a sword. Hebrews 4, 12-13 says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So what Paul tells us in Ephesians, in 2 Timothy, and what the writer of Hebrew tells us is that Knowing and applying God's Word is the greatest tool we have to fight against darkness. Knowing and applying God's Word is the greatest tool we have to fight against darkness. Now, there's a few things I'd like to point out about what Paul tells Timothy in the passage we just read. Look at what he says in verse one or verse 10. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Timothy had a foundation in the Scriptures. He had, taught, had been taught the Scriptures from his mother when he grew up. After he knew the Scriptures and had a foundation in the Scriptures, later on in his his life he met the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul preached the Gospel to him. And then all of those Scriptures that he had learned as a child suddenly made sense that they pointed to Christ. Now some of us have been blessed to grow grow up in Christian families and we have that foundation where our parents took the time to teach us the Word of God and we know the Word of God. Others of us don't have that. But no matter what our situation, we all have a responsibility to kind of build on that foundation of the Word of God. And we're going to be starting something in the new year next week that will help us in building that foundation. And it's something called a catechism. Now when I say that, that might be really surprising to you. Because when you think about the word catechism, it, it sounds like a very archaic old word. Uh, We might associate that with Roman Catholicism or uh, Lutheranism. So when I say that, that might be surprising to you. But catechism comes from the word teaching, from a Greek word that means teaching. So it's basically a teaching. What's interesting is that though we associate it with Catholicism, as back in the Reformation, remember when Martin Luther and John Calvin were reforming the Catholic Church, back during that time it was the Reformers we're actually advocating that catechesis or the catechism would be brought back into the church. It wasn't the Catholic Church. So catechism has been used 
throughout, on and off throughout the history of the church, and the catechism kind of provides a foundation of the faith for the faithful to understand and know and believe. So, how exactly do we define catechism or catechesis? J.I. Packer and Gary Parrott define catechesis this way. Catechesis is the church's ministry of grounding and growing God's people in the gospel and its implications for doctrine, devotion, duty, and delight. Catechesis is the church's ministry of grounding and growing God's people in the gospel and its implications for doctrine, devotion, duty, and delight. Now, any kind of teaching or systematic teaching or catechism or any kind of creed like that is always subservient to the Scriptures. I mean, we fall into problems when we elevate creeds or catechism or teaching above Scripture. Creeds and catechism are meant to help us understand and illuminate Scripture. Scripture checks catechism. Scripture checks doctrine. Scripture checks anything that we would kind of form as a, a basis of our faith. But a catechism essentially takes the basics of faith and puts them in kind of a usable, a usable form for us to understand and digest. And there's many different catechisms, there's many different ways that they're kind of brought together, but the one that we're going to be looking at in the next year is the New City Catechism. And the New City Catechism is broken up into 52 questions. One for each week of the year. And these questions are broken up into three subcategories of part one is God, creation, and fall, the law, 20 questions. Part two deals with Christ, redemption, and grace for 15 questions. And part three deals with the spirit, restoration, and growing in grace. So a sampling of some of these questions. These are not kind of esoteric questions that we, uh, kind of ethereal questions that we just might think about. These are practical questions that we might wonder ourselves or the people might ask us as we're witnessing to them. Some of these questions. So what is our only hope in life and in death? How many persons are there in God? What is sin? What is idolatry? Why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? How can we be saved? How should we pray? Where is Christ now? These are foundational questions for the Christian life. And as we go through each week, we're going to consider one of those questions. During the announcement time, Pastor Phil or myself or whoever's doing the announcements will discuss it brief, that question briefly. In your bulletin, there'll be information about that particular question and verses related to that for further study. And the goal is that we would have a foundation in the faith. That we would know more about the faith that we believe in. So that when we are in a moment of doubt, we'll be able to recall the answer to our questions. When someone asks us our question, we won't have to think about it so much. We'll already have it in our minds. In addition, during the, chil- the children's program, they'll be considering one particular question, one of those questions as well in a very simplified form. So there's a number of things that we can do to make this meaningful. And the first thing that we can do is commit to memorize the question and answer of the week. Now we can do that, we do that not so that we can kind of check a box off, 
not so that we consider this scripture, but we do that so that when we're in our moment of need, when we're doubting our faith, when we're struggling, those things will come to mind. You know, or when you're sharing your faith, oftentimes we don't have time to go and look and answer up. Oh yeah, what is our only hope in life and in death? We want this to be ingrained in our hearts and in our minds. And so you can memorize the question each week. If the first couple weeks, it'll be easy. You'll only have one question and a simple answer to memorize. As it gets farther along, it will be harder to memorize all the questions, but I'm confident that we can all do that. Another thing that you can do is teach the question of the week to your families. I mean, fathers especially have a responsibility to take the lead on this. Help your kids memorize these things. And parents, we have a great responsibility to teach the things of God to your children. Uh, When I was a child, my parents took me to a program called Awana. And uh, at the Awana program, they required us to memorize verses. And what I found was there were a couple of kids who came to Awana and they never knew their verses. And the reason was often that their parents never worked with them. Their parents never went through those verses. But uh, thankfully, my mother went through these verses with me time and time again, multiple times a week. And honestly, I hated it. I hated learning these verses. I didn't understand the full import of what these verses meant, but she kept going over and over and over and over. And they would give me prizes when I would learn these verses. I didn't even like the Iwana program all that much. But my parents made me do that. And then I remember when I was in college and uh, I was going on my first missions trip, I volunteered to give the sermon for the outreach. I had never done a sermon before. Uh, never been on a missions trip before, and then I volunteered, and then I was thinking, so now what do I say? What do I talk about? And I remember, uh, I'll never forget preparing that first sermon, and it just kind of trying to present a clear gospel message, and I remember all those verses that my mother had taught me, that I'd learned in Awana, just came back. And I was able to just form them together in a sermon that made sense because of all the things that I had been instructed on. I didn't always remember the, ver- the references, but I knew all the scriptures related to the gospel, and I was able to put those things together because my parents had invested in me. You can give your children an incredible blessing by helping them learn the things of God. First, helping them learn Scripture, memorize Scripture, Scriptures related to salvation. And second, to helping them memorize the catechism that we're going to be entering to. According to a study by Purdue University, uh, words are just as mighty as deeds when it comes to parents passing on religious beliefs. The study, which appeared in, the, in an issue of the Journal of Applied Developmental Psychology, found out that children were more likely to adopt their parents' beliefs when they had a clear understanding of what their parents believed. The study's lead researcher conducted, who conducted the study queried 58 female, 36 male students between the ages of 18 to 25. She says, We found the accuracy of a child's perception of parents' beliefs is affected by all of the things that a parent does. An article concludes... This includes taking the time to explain their beliefs and encouraging the child to participate in activities the parents think support those beliefs. 
So those who are parents have this responsibility to make sure your children know clearly what you believe. Make sure they understand the faith that you proclaim. And, and there's a number of resources that are available to us to kind of first help us grow in our faith in the new year and help our families grow. Uh, like Pastor Phil said, there's a Bible reading plan that you received in your bulletin when you came in. Uh, this is one possible option for a Bible reading plan. There are multitudes of different Bible reading plans. There's Bible reading plans where you can read the Bible in like six months, a year, three years, five years. Uh, there's different ways of, of reading different sections on different days. Uh, this afternoon, it's going to be posted on the fa- our Facebook page. There'll be a link to uh, dozens of different Bible reading plans. You can go on that link and download different PDFs, no matter uh, what, your, what way you want to do it. There's a way for you to uh, read God's Word in the new year. So there's a lot of Bible reading plans available. In addition, we're going to have some of these new city catechism books available for you to purchase. Uh, Pastor Phil, after the service today and uh, next week, we'll have them available uh, they'll be $3. Uh, we're not making any money. We're actually losing money on these. If you go on Amazon, they're like 8 bucks. Uh, we got them a little cheaper than that, but we're not making anything. We want to get these into your hands so that you have them, so you can read them personally and be able to read them with your family. Um, addition, in addition, there's a book called The New City Catechism Devotional. Uh, it's a book Stephanie and I will be going through, and it's the same thing. It, it, it has the catechism in it, but it also has readings related to the catechism um, and you know, just kind of a study related to that. Uh, so if you want one of those, you can go on Amazon. If you don't have uh, it, that capability, we could order you one, but they're available there. Uh, also, there's an app for Android and iOS uh, for the New City Catechism. If you just search New City Catechism, uh, you can download that app for free, and you can have all the questions on your smartphone to be able to access them at any time. And uh, my hope and prayer that as we do these things, as we grow together, we'll become more rooted and grounded in God's Word as we enter into 2019. So that's kind of the key, is having that foundation and building that foundation on the Word of God. But what once we know the Word of God, and once we have a, a, an understanding of the Word of God, what good does the Word of God do us? Paul tells us in this passage. He says the Word of God is profitable for teaching. That's why we read and look at a passage of Scripture each week. That's why we read the Scripture before the message. Because the, the, the message is not something that's good in and of itself. It's only good as it relates to God's Word. So that's why we're doing this catechism and looking at the verses that go along with each question. The scriptures, Paul say, are profitable for reproof. Reproof involves bringing in awareness of sin. Showing our, it sh- the scriptures show us our sin. Paul says that the scriptures are good for correcting, which involves instruction for the sake of improvement. The scriptures point out things to us so that we can improve, so that we can grow in our faith. And finally, the text says that the scripture is useful for training in righteousness, suggests discipline, the discipline and concentration of an athlete who would work hard at his or her craft. The the scriptures are a resource in growing in godliness. They help us grow closer 
to lure. But when I look at the list that Paul gives, I find it's interesting the things that he includes and the things that he doesn't include. One thing it doesn't mention is it doesn't mention affirmation or encouragement. Now, certainly I'm not saying that the scriptures are not encouraging. There's a lot of encouragement we can receive from the scriptures. There's a lot of comfort that we can receive from reading the words of God, but Paul doesn't include these things. But I think that's significant because many in our cultural, in our cultural climate exchange the words of Paul for the words of affirmation. That we would rather say, yes, the scriptures are profitable for encouragement, affirmation, making me feel good about myself. The scriptures are there to kind of build me up. And that's kind of where many in our culture would like to land, and even some in churches. Yet the scriptures are there to challenge us. To sometimes tear us apart like a sword that kind of goes deeply into our hearts and shows us what our motives are. It shows us where where we've gone wrong. But sometimes we'd rather just be encouraged or affirmed. Uh, It's it's almost like if I got up in the morning and went into the the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and uh, my hair is all disheveled, I've got ketchup stains all over my shirt, my pants are all wrinkly, and I go and I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm looking good today looking all right. And I think that's what many in our culture would like to do in regards to the scripture. Like to open up the Bible and say, I'm doing all right. I'm doing just fine. But the scriptures aren't meant just to do that. They are meant to comfort us and encourage us, but they're also meant to challenge us. And we need to listen to God's word. Not just listen to what we want to hear. We'd all like to hear how great we are. I mean, right? But the scriptures challenge us. The scriptures are meant to point us to Christ, to show us how badly we need Christ and cause us to run with open arms to our Heavenly Father who's willing to accept us and forgive us. Who gives us His Holy Spirit to change us and transform us. So the scriptures are useful for teaching or proof, correction, and for training in righteousness. And Paul concludes this passage and says that when we have this foundation... When we apply God's word to our lives, when we use God's word for these things, the result is that the man of God, or in turn the women of God, would be, fully, would be complete and fully equipped. You know the word for complete in Greek, what it means? It means to be able to meet all demands. Paul tells Timothy, when you have a foundation in the word of God, when you use the word of God, you'll be able to withstand anything that comes against you. You'll be able to meet all demands. In a world that's filled with darkness and an enemy who wants to destroy our souls, when you focus on and believe the Word of God and the Christ who the Word of God points to, there's nothing that can stand against us. Knowing and applying God's Word is the greatest tool we have to fight against darkness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us your word and you give it to us not just as a book or as words on a page, but as a testament that points to you and your love. That as we read the scriptures, Lord, I pray that we would be people who listen to your voice. That as we read the scriptures, that when we 
realize how far we fall short, that we would run to you. That we would run and find your grace. That we would trust in your Holy Spirit to transform us and to make us new. Lord, I pray that as we enter into 2019, we would be people who are focused on your word. Not as just something to do, but as a way of knowing you better, of pleasing you. Lord, as we look at the catechism each week, Lord, I pray that this would not be just something that we memorize or just something to do or listen to, but this would help us grow in our faith and help us understand what you've done for us. Help us be able to share our faith with those around us so when the people have questions and they want to know more about our faith, we'll have the answers ready to go. Lord, I pray that you just be with us. Help us to have the strength to be disciplined. The strength to stay in your word. To stay close to you as we enter into the In Christ's name I pray. Amen.